You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, uh. and uh. intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. today with the Marsh family. You know, I, I, I ended yesterday's song 
uh, yesterday's show with that song um, because I needed it for me. Today, I send it out to Senator John Fetterman. In case you didn't hear, Senator Fetterman is back in the hospital. We heard that he was in the hospital over the weekend because he had a dizzy spell. Now, we know that he suffered a stroke during the campaign. Um, And a stroke, you know, regardless is hard to recover from, and and he's dealing with issues. Now, here from um, uh, today's Washington Post, the headline, Senator, Fetterman's, Setter, Senator Fetterman checks himself into hospital for clinical depression. And uh, let me just share with you what the story says. Uh, Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, who suffered a stroke last year, checked himself into the hospital on Wednesday night to receive treatment for clinical depression. In a statement, Fetterman's chief of staff, Adam Gentleson, said the senator voluntarily admitted himself into Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Washington to receive treatment for clinical depression on the recommendation of the attending physician of the Congress. Uh, On Wednesday, Dr. Monahan, the, the physician of Congress, recommended inpatient care at Walter Reed. John agreed and he's receiving treatment on a voluntary basis. After examining John, the doctors at Walter Reed told us that John is getting the care he needs and will soon be back to himself. And then we learned, uh, according to his chief of staff, that Fetterman has experienced depression off and on throughout his life. He said it only became severe in recent weeks. The senator had just returned to Congress on Monday after being hospitalized last week at George Washington University Hospital after suffering from lightheadedness during a retreat for Democratic senators. His doctors ruled out that he'd suffered a second stroke. Um, We know that he had the stroke in May when he was lieutenant governor and running for the Senate. Um, The senator has explained that his stroke was caused by a clot from my heart being an AFib rhythm for too long. Anyway, that's the story. John Fetterman doing the right thing. He was having problems and he's dealing with them. Um, Does clinical mean mental or physical depression? Clinical just means that he's been diagnosed with depression. I suffer from clinical depression. Um, And and I'm I'm really glad that, um, that he's getting the help he needs. And I'm even gladder that he's talking about it. Because look, this is a subject we have spoken about a lot here on the show, mostly because I suffer from depression. I have since adolescence, right? And, you know, an interesting sidebar is I thought about, I I thought about um, calling on Will Bunch. Here's the thing. I was out all day today, in case you can't tell. I, I just got back from the beach you know, I'm moving in in like six weeks or thereabouts to Arizona. And so my daughter, Allison, and I have decided we are going to try to spend as much time together as we can uh, before I leave because I can't believe I'm going to be living in a different city from her. And so anyway, she's off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So um, I'm going to steal these moments when I can. So we went to the beach for a couple hours today and I rushed back and got home just in time to, to get on the air. So anyway, um, thus my, my, my casualness today. 
But anyway, um, it, so I was going to call on Will Bunch, but it was getting late. I didn't reach out to him. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe tomorrow, because I, I don't know what we're doing tomorrow yet. Anyway, um, much to my surprise, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised. I subscribed to Will Bunch's newsletter through the um, uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, and so... I get an email into my inbox from Will Bunch and his column today is the headline is we need a national conversation about the eight students who died at North Carolina State. I'm like, wait a minute. Will Bunch is in in Philadelphia. He's in Pennsylvania. Um, But so I opened the column and he writes a wave of suicides at a major U.S. university spotlights the growing, under-addressed mental health crisis for younger Americans. Obviously, it's not just younger Americans. It's a cross-section of Americans who suffer from depression. And we need to stop stigmatizing it. We need to start talking about it openly because it's nothing to be embarrassed about it's certainly nothing to be ashamed of i wasn't aware of this story but will bunch writes the rituals of death have become far too familiar at north carolina state university this school year the initial shock and pain of the campus-wide wolf alert that yet another student has ended their young life by suicide The message from the university chancellor attempting the impossible task of comforting classmates by acknowledging that this, quote, hurts deeply and can seem overwhelming to cope with. A reminder that this week already had a scheduled wellness day without classes for students to take stock of their own mental health and check on others. But this time, the eighth the eighth student death since September on the Raleigh, North Carolina campus, and the fifth by apparent suicide felt different, he writes. The mood is anger. So, you know, this is, we've got a number of epidemics going on. Uh, And yeah, COVID is still one of them. But uh, we have a mental health depression epidemic that I don't think we deal with. And so between John Fetterman publicly acknowledging the problem and getting help for it and not being ashamed to get help for it. Now, I can almost guarantee you that on Fox, they're going to be, they're going to be going, see, I told you John Fetterman was unfit for office. They're going to, they're going to go off on him. What we need to do is be compassionate and understand that as he got the help he needed or is getting the help he needs, these young students at North Carolina State aren't. So many others aren't. They deal with it silently. They hide it from people who care about them when they should know that the people who care about you care enough that you can be honest with them. You can and should open up with them. Look, I told you yesterday, I've been having a really tough time this week. I think it's a a combination of a number of factors. It's the death of a friend, a friend of the show. So there's a lot of 
grieving going on in the YouTube chat room because we lost a friend this week. And you must let yourself mourn and grieve. But, you know, Tuesday was also the fifth anniversary of the Parkland shootings, which affected my community and obviously affected me more than I knew, just like Joy's death did. You know, we have to allow ourselves to feel these things and to express the emotions because when you bottle them all up inside, that's when it, it gets like a pressure cooker and explodes. And I'll tell you something. You know, I'm lucky in that I've got a very supportive husband. David has lived with my depression for how long have we been together? We're, you know, we've been married for seven years now. We've been together coming up on, I don't know, 14 or 15, I'm guessing. I suck at math. But, you know, he's learned, first of all, to not take my moods and depression personally, because it's not about him. It's not about anybody but the inner turmoil I'm feeling. Um, I know there are people who get very uncomfortable um, when others talk about problems they're having. Well, that's their problem. But I promise you, you have people in your life close to you who care and who want to be there for you and be supportive. And if you need help, it's there for the asking. Uh, Look, I'm one. I hate to ask for help. Just like I hate to ask for donations to support this show. I, I don't like asking for things, but sometimes you need to. So anyway, there you go. Um, I'm sorry that John Fetterman is going through this, but I so respect him and appreciate his his stepping out and admitting that he has a problem and that he's dealing with it. Brain chemistry. Yeah, it's a big deal. Look, my depression kicked in big time when I went through adolescence and I struggled with it my entire life. So I get it. And uh, if, if, if I can do one thing, it, it, it might be to help s- stop the shaming around mental health issues, about, around depression. It's, I was going to say it's normal. It's, it's actually not normal. It's a disorder. But it's a disorder that's all too common today. Um, hi, David. Uh, you're looking for your microphone. <laughs> it's buried under a mess of newspapers there. Hi. A couple of things. Number one, yeah. 15 years. 15 years. Counting. Wow. Yeah. It'll be 15 years in August since our first date. Wow. Okay. The last Sunday yeah. in August. Right. Um, and, and, and yes, and thank you for putting up with my depression because it rears its ugly head every now and then, and it's not easy to live with. Um. For better or for worse, in yep. sickness and his health, in health, yep. As long as we both shall live, yep. Um, people listening um, may recall that there was a show a few months ago where I mentioned that one of my clients for consulting is a company yep. Fisher Wallace, who makes yep. a wearable device that treats depression. Yep. When I heard about Senator Fetterman, I emailed his office. And told him, told them that if he is interested, um, we can see to it that he gets a device because it's very effective against depression. Yep. And as I said in the email, I know only too well um, 
how depression steals our lives when we are in its grip. It does. It does. So, um, you know, I'm thankful that John Fetterman didn't do this, you know, quietly, that he's admitting it, because I guarantee it's helping somebody else out there who's struggling, who says, wow, I guess I can ask for help. So there's that. The other thing is, the other thing that I thought, you know, I, I didn't expect to open with this, but here we are. Um, uh, so I got that out. THC. THC helps sometimes, not always great. It's like alcohol, not good for treating depression. <laughs> I learned that firsthand. THC, I guess it depends on the strain. I don't know. It depends on your depression. Anyway, um, the thing that I thought I would be spending the first part of the the show on today, and the reason I thought I could go to the beach with my daughter and not worry about, you know, the content for the first half of the show. Uh, David, you forget to say something? Yeah, I'm sorry. There, there okay. is one thing I'd like to add. Mm-hmm. Um, if, it, if it gives anyone any encouragement, compare this to many years ago when Thomas Eagleton yeah. was forced from the ticket vice as president George is, McGovern's vice president right. because it was revealed that many years before, not in 1972, but many years before he had undergone electroconvulsive therapy shock treatment for, for, for depression for depression right and that was severe enough in the minds of of the powers that be that he should not be able to run for vice president yeah. so here at least now we've gotten to the point where a senator can say i'm having problems i'm going to deal with them in the best way that my doctors advise me to deal with yep them. yep so thank you for that yeah it's true and, and I know this will help other people. Okay, so the other part, what I thought I'd be dealing with for this entire half hour and then spilling over into when Howie comes on is the, um, uh, the report from the grand jury in, in Fulton County, Georgia. We had learned yesterday or, the day before, or earlier this week anyway that portions of it would be released. Now, you may recall uh, DA Fonnie Willis, who is, put this case on, who, who convened this grand jury to do this investigation, um, she asked strongly that this report not be released. And what she said is because, um, you know, she wants to protect the rights of the defense or, or the, the future defendants because she believes that indictments are imminent. And the thing is, if the entire uh, grand jury report were released, that could impede the defense's case. Um, And so there are details that shouldn't be made public until the whole thing is done if there will be charges brought. If If the outcome was no charges coming, then it would be no, no problem. They would release it. So, um, that should give us some information that, yeah, indictments are imminent. But I thought we'd get more information. We were told we were going to get the introduction to the report and the conclusion to the report and a section on the grand jury's belief that at least one, probably multiple, witnesses lied under oath. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to share that in the first half hour. I can go to the beach with Allison, and then Howie comes on, we can talk, and I'll be good, right? 
So I print out the report, get to the beach, and I read it. And I'm like, this is it? There's nothing here. So we get a little bit of the background, right? The special purpose grand jury report. And it talks about how many people were on the jury, when it was convened, you know, uh, the number of jurors present ranged between 16 and 24 as availability allowed, uh, pursuant to statute. If we had our needed quorum, 16 jurors present, we could do business with that. The grand jury met. It was selected on May 2nd, 2022. First heard evidence on June 1st. They continued to hear evidence and receive information into December of 2022. Um, The grand jury received evidence from or involving 75 witnesses during the course of the investigation, the overwhelming majority of which information was delivered in person under oath. The grand jury also uh, received information in the form of investigator testimony and various forms of digital and physical media. Pursuant to Georgia law, A team of assistant district attorneys provided the grand jury with applicable statutes and procedures. Any recommendation set herein is the sole conclusion of the grand jury based on testimony presented, facts received, and our deliberations. Right? So this is all like sort of background. Following is the final report of the special purpose grand jury. We set forth for the court our recommendations on indictments and relevant statutes, including the votes by the grand jurors. This includes the votes respective to each topic indicated in a yay, nay, abstain format throughout. The total number of grand jurors who placed a vote on each topic has been indicated in each section. Footnotes have been added in certain places where a juror requested the opportunity to clarify their vote for any reason. Each applicable statute is referenced by citation number attached to this document as Appendix A is a complete set of Georgia statutes referenced below. Just know none of that appears in this nine pages that we got today, right? So um, we got the introduction. Uh, the, The one real bit of I guess, news in the introduction is in the final line. It says the grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subject of alleged election fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming that such fraud took place. We find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that would result in overturning that election. So there's a finding, a definite, unanimous finding. No fraud took place. Certainly nothing that could have had any effect on the results of the election. Then it goes to Exhibit B, to order of February 16th, 2023. That's today. And basically... This is, um, uh, it it jumps right to section eight. And section eight is one simple paragraph. And it reads, a majority of the grand jury believes that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it. The grand jury recommends that the district attorney seek appropriate indictments for such crimes where the evidence is compelling. I think this is letting us know that some of these um, uh, witnesses are not done 
with this, with, with, or, or I should say Fannie Willis is not done with some of these witnesses yet. Lucifer in the chat room asks, and how long have we been hearing indictments are imminent? Two weeks? It's been only a week or two since Fannie Willis announced that the grand jury had submitted its final report and, and petitioned the court not to release the contents because, as she said, indictments are imminent. These things take time. Look, I'm more impatient, I promise, than any of you. And yet, um, uh, you know, here we are. So um, then, so it goes from section uh, eight to the conclusion. <laughs> and the conclusion is, I'm just going to read it to you verbatim. It really doesn't say much. The grand jury wishes to acknowledge the hardworking attorneys and staff of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. Any legal errors contained in this report should not be laid at their feet, however, because that office had nothing to do with the recommendations contained herein. If this report fails to include any potential violations of reference statutes, statutes, that were shown in the investigation, we acknowledge the discretion of the district attorney to seek indictments where she finds sufficient cause. Furthermore, this grand jury contained no election law experts or criminal lawyers. The majority of this grand jury used their collective best efforts, however, to attend every session, listen to every witness, and attempt to understand the facts as presented and the laws as explained. And then it, it uh, concludes by saying, if the court finds this report to have satisfied the purpose of the special purpose grand jury as impaneled, we request that we be formally discharged from our service. And it's dated this 15th day of December, 2022. So that's when they wrapped up their work. So maybe a month. We've known about it for a month. Um, look, I'm, I'm trying to go with Marcy Wheeler on still cutting Merrick Garland some slack, but it gets more and more difficult with each passing day. Lewis, it's, it's probably more than two weeks. It's probably a month still. In, in um, grand jury time, in, in um, you know, prosecution of a former president time, they need to dot every I and cross every T and make sure that they're doing everything by the book. Because, you know, the Trump apologists are going to be out in force. Now, there's a few things I've learned. One of the, you know, if you listen to all the pushback from the right, and there's going to be tons of it, one of their things is, and, and it's coming right from Trump himself, he's saying, well, they didn't, they didn't ask me to testify before this grand jury. I've had nothing no input here at all. They didn't ask me voluntarily. They didn't subpoena me. So obviously they know that I'm not guilty. Well, here's the thing. A target is never put before the grand jury. They will get testimony from witnesses, but the target of the investigation is not questioned before the grand jury. That is a Department of Justice. Um, it's not a law, but it's a rule. It's a rule. So um, just be prepared for it because it's coming. David? Sorry to interrupt again, but um, how about in Matt Gates' time? How, how much? Uh, you know, how long did we wait and hear about his bullshit investigation and, and then they let him off? They let him off. Uh, granted, the, the main person 
pointing fingers at him had credibility problems. And the other witness, who was the girl who he was supposedly, I'm using air quotes here, trafficking, yep. um, had credibility problems. But the, 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 the government's attorneys are so pathetic that they can't build a case. It's astounding. Any, anything other than those two people? But, you know, then again, on the other hand, I'm sure if you and I did the same thing, they'd let us off, too. Oh, oh, without a doubt. Sure. Um, Actually, you know, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Jeff Charlotte's Jeff Charlotte, a journalist, author, professor. Um, he He's and, and just a great writer. Right. And he um, I'm 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 scrolling back to see if I can find um. Jeff Charlotte engages on Twitter. I got to say that. Um, uh, but I, I'm trying to find his response to uh, um, to, to uh, Gates getting off. I guess that's the wrong terminology to use because apparently he gets off regularly, often with underage girls. So not being prosecuted, I guess, is the more accurate uh, description of of what Jeff Charlotte was commenting on. You know, it'd probably be easier to look at my retweets because I retweeted him and I, I liked him because I like him. Uh, let's see if I can find what I liked. Um, Jeff Charlotte. Of course, I didn't like it. I just retweeted it, right? <laughs> you know, uh, it's always something. I try to find something and I can't. Uh, I wish I were more organized. I'm just not. Um, all right, Jeff Charlotte, where is that retweet? Because he's, he, it was something profound. You know, it was something. And now I, I can't find that either. Never mind. Uh, I've said that a lot lately. No, now I'm going back to February 2nd. Apparently I didn't retweet it. I thought I saved it. But he's like, this, okay, so maybe the 17-year-old girl wouldn't testify or whatever. But what about all the other instances of his wrongdoing? You know, I'll put it that way, his wrongdoing. Um, I, I'm going to find this Jeff Charlotte tweet because now it's it's really uh, pissing me off that I can't find it. Because it was, it was just, it was, um, it was pretty profound. It was very well done. And I, damn him for being so prolific. All right, well, I will... Uh, I, I will um, try to find it. So anyway, that brings us to now. Uh, I, 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 I really need a double Dirty Debbie today. So let's get Howie on the line and we'll continue this conversation. All right? Um, all right. So to do that, I need to do this. Are you a multinational corporation hungry for a treat? Well, come on down to Schmucky Chuckies, where you'll personally be seated by Chuck Schumer himself. So many dishes, and they're all fresh. You're going to love our Blue Dog special, the Dino Burger, because we say so. A good hamburger and french fries. And every burger comes with a side order of grits. I love grits. I love anything with corn. It's corn. All for only $50,000. Wash it all down with a dirty Debbie. Nine-tenths water, one-tenth orange juice. After a week or two, you drink this, it's 200 calories and it's acetic. And wipe your mouth with a tissue print of Glass-Steagall. For dessert, try our DNC tarts. 
little cookies. Tell the quality of that. Most restaurants give you a mint, but at Schmucky Chuckies, you get complimentary. Sweet and low. Who picks up the tab for all this? Find out now with Howie Klein of DownWithTyranny.com on The Nicole Sandler Show. Hello, Howie Klein. Howie? Uh-oh. I don't hear Howie. Howie, Howie, you there? Hmm. All right. You know what? I'm going to hang up. Howie? I I hear you, but I think Howie doesn't hear me. Shit. All right, Howie, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call you back on a different line. Let's... That's weird because I thought... Howie? Okay. I'm hanging up and I'm going to call. I'm going to close it out here. You know, look, gremlins come in all shapes and sizes. All I know is they hate me. As I said to George at Progressive Voices the other day, I must have done something really shitty in a previous life. I don't, don't understand uh, how I how this happens all the time. But let's uh, let's try calling Howie from this line and see if this works any better. See if he can hear me here. All right. All right. Please leave a message. Oh, man. Okay, now, see, I bet he's still holding on the other line. Oh, shit. All right, let's try it again. One more time. Hopefully he hung up and now we'll call back. Or maybe not. Oh, man. Hello. Hey, Howie. I, I don't, did you hear me before? I didn't hear you at all, I would, and I didn't hear the uh, song. I just was just on the line. Oh, wow. No, because I, I could hear noise in the back. You just weren't hearing me, so I called back from uh, uh, the other computer. So anyway, hi, Howie Klein. Hello, Nicole. Hope you're well. I, I'm doing okay. I took a, a, a little, a little mental, mental health break, went to the beach with my kid this morning, uh, spent a few hours there just breathing the fresh air. Um and I bring that up because I was talking about depression because John Fetterman today. Um, nope. You know, I have so much respect for him for being open about this, that he checked himself into the hospital because he's suffering from clinical depression. Many others would hide that because, because of the stigma surrounding mental health. And good on him for being open about it. Cause you know, you know, he's going to come under attack by certain people in this country. Uh, you talking about Trump again? I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the Fox maggot contingent. They're all going to go after him. I believe they went, yeah. they went after him after he had a stroke, something else that wasn't his fault. Right. You know, and they will definitely come go after him. There's no question about it without a doubt. But we do have a mental health crisis in this country. You know, it, I was explaining to the listeners that I planned, I, when I heard the story, I thought I should call Will Bunch, friend of the show, columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and just to get And his, rock and roller. And a rock and roller, absolutely. And, you know, I didn't because I was running late getting back from the beach and getting ready to go on the air. And uh, his newsletter today came into my inbox and it's about a rash of suicides at North Carolina State University. They've had eight student deaths this term, at least five of them by suicide. 
And we're not oh. dealing with this problem. We have a national mental health problem. We have a national problem of depression. And and while there's a stigma attached to it, too many people who are hurting are not going to get help. Yeah. So anyway, I, I appreciate John Fetterman um, uh, being open about this because yeah. I, I think... He's had a mental health problems for his whole life. That's right. I mean, right. depression, I should say. That's right. And I, I get it, because so have I. I mean, I, I'm open with the listeners, because I have my moments, and this week has been a particularly rough week. Um, we lost, you know, a member of our community, somebody who has been a listener of this show since the Air America days. She used to be in the chat room. So, you know, a long, long time, and she's... She was a regular here, and, and and she lost her battle with uh, liver failure last week. And, mm. you know, that on top of the shootings and the anniversary, you know, the fifth anniversary of Parkland. And, you know, sometimes everything just feels like it's too much. And, and uh, you know, I, I we all deal with it differently. So, anyway, yeah. there we are. I, I must uh, sublimate it. I, I, I've never been depressed in my life. Wow or at least aware of being depressed in my life. Um, so, you know, at one time, I, I think uh, uh, maybe it was the drug use kept me from being depressed, but I, I haven't used drugs since the late 60s. And um, I'm 75, I'm going to be 75 wow. next week. And um, I, I just, you know, I have lots of things wrong with me, but depression, luckily for me, has never come around. Come around You're lucky. That I know of. You're lucky, because those of us who suffer from it, it's it's... It's nasty. Um, okay, other things. Now, before I got you on the line, I was looking for a tweet I couldn't find. We were talking about Matt Gates, uh, and I and I mentioned that Jeff Charlotte uh, tweeted something after the news broke yesterday that Matt Gates was not going to be prosecuted. The Justice Department declined to bring charges against him for on sex trafficking, and Jeff Charlotte tweeted, "Even if they can't prove the seventeen-year-old." Think of the countless sex workers arrested over and over for trying to make a meager living. And this John walks. How is this DOJ qualitatively different than bars? That's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. Charlotte is a smart guy. Yes, he is. The problem, though, they can't you can't like just a Democratic administration can't bring a a case against the Republican congressman that they know in advance they can't prove. The, the witness that they had, they had who's in jail is obviously, you know, not going to not a believable witness uh, other than for people who want to believe it. But, you know, for it, all they need is one Republican on a jury who's just going to laugh at that witness and say no. Right. Right. So, you know, I mean, I know that they obviously they 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 wanted to uh, prosecute him. But you, you, if you if you go after him, you have to beat him. And and they felt they couldn't do that. I hear you. And, and yes, I, I get it. And it would be politicized and it would be, you know, it would be yeah. deemed a witch hunt and a political prosecution, even though, sorry, that his, his proclivities towards children uh, is not political. Right. But, but, it, but, but then you have to be able to prove it. Exactly. You and they didn't feel that, the, that I mean, they, everyone knows it's the case. But you have to be able to prove it in a court. And they, they felt they, they were dependent too much on that guy. What was his name? Joel Greenberg or yep, something? Yep, who was, you know, the scum of the earth. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, 
I, I, I liken it. It's not the same thing, but it's similar to the problems that, you know, the Republicans or the, that uh, the, the prosecutors thought they had when when Michael Cohen was their chief witness. Like he's a guy who's convicted of perjury. How, how is he the guy you're trusting to be your main witness? Yeah. There's a credibility problem there. Right. And, and it's a shame. But that but, you know, they had to face up to the fact that, you know, short of being able to find uh, a witness that would be believable by, by a, a so-called impartial jury, um, they, they just couldn't do it. You know, obviously, if, he, if you and I were on the jury, no problem. Bring them, bring them on. <laughs> bring them on. But, uh, yeah. We're not going to be on that jury. No, we are, we are not. So um, then there's the case of, you know, I was looking forward to this uh, report from the grand jury in, in Fulton County, Georgia. And boy, this is a big nothing burger. But I guess that's the way it has to be, because if they were to release the entire report uh, before the charges are brought before it goes to trial, this could impede the prosecution and, and you know, maybe give the defense a reason for a mistrial or something. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't expect anything different than what, what came out. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping for some juicy, you know, beach reading, but that wasn't to be. I got to ask you, Howie, about, um, you know, you obviously blog at downwithtyranny.com. We all read you or should. Uh, and you have some other people who post there as well, including a mutual friend of ours, um, Thomas Newberger, who used to be uh, used to go by the uh, the handle of Gaius Publius. Now he uses his real name, Thomas Newberger. But you printed a column that he wrote. Uh, it's part. It's on his Substack newsletter as well, and I got it. And it just, I, I, you know, I so totally disagree. And I'm wondering your thoughts on it. The headline is why John Stewart should run for president. Now, did you publish this because Tom writes at Down with Tyranny, or because you agree yes. with him? The 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 former. former. Right. You don't agree with him. Uh, I I I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. Does, does, does John Stewart want to run for president? I doubt it. I well, doubt you it. You know, that would but, mean I wouldn't be interested. I don't think anyone who doesn't want to run should run because they're not going to win if they don't want to run. Well, that's true. But I, this, I, as far as I can tell, and this was a topic of discussion on this email list that we're on, uh, that Tom is a moderator on. And when this came up a few months ago, I was pulling my hair out and I didn't jump into the conversation because I didn't want to be the one to say, are you people out of your fucking minds? Oh, tell me about it. I, I, I don't know much about Jon Stewart. Well, he's a comedian. And look, it, maybe it worked out for Ukraine, but Jon Stewart, he's smart. He's a good interviewer. He's funny. He hosted a great show when he hosted The Daily Show. But that doesn't make him qualified to be president of the United States. Unlike being the governor of Florida? Well, it, he's not qualified to be the governor of Florida either. Neither is the governor of Florida. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, when you, when you look at, at the, the politicians that, uh, that we have now, I would say, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know a lot about Jon Stewart, but I, I would think he'd be as qualified as, as most of them. No, I mean, see, I, and that's we, not saying as much about him as it is about them. Right. And and maybe we don't hold our 
Look, as evidenced by Trump, we don't hold our candidates to a high enough standard. Donald Trump had no business running for president, let alone being president. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. But that's never stopped him before. I blame his presidency on the idiots who voted for him. And yes, I think they're idiots. Now, Tens of millions of them. Tens of millions of them. That's right. Well, as you know, uh, and and I swear I'm going to keep this handy because it needs to be heard over. Oh, you're not going to hear it. I have the clip. I love the poorly educated queued up and ready to go. But it's I use it on my blog all the time. So you don't worry about me not hearing it. So here. Just for those who want to hear it. I love the poorly educated. He loves the poorly educated. And obviously, because a dumbed down electorate will vote for somebody like Donald Trump. Now, just because they're idiots and stupid and are willing to turn the future of this nation and, and you know, the world over to somebody who is, a, is not a serious person who understands the way that governments work, the way the way the world works, the 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 rules of engagement. Um, just because they're stupid enough to do it doesn't mean we should be stupid enough to do it. I think nominating John Stewart for president would be a horrible mistake. Uh, Howie, David's here. David, what? Um, I'm sorry, but I disagree with you. You think John Stewart would be a good president? No, I I would say that the Lard Father knew exactly what he was doing. He went to D.C. to steal, right. and he well, stole everything in sight. That's true. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, I, I, no, I guess you're right. Um, uh, he did steal everything, and so he knew what he was doing, but he doesn't. He knew what he was doing as the grifter that he is, as the con man that he is. But in terms of being a good president, working for the best interests of the American people— that's not Donald Trump, and that's not what John Stewart would excel at. Let him be the court jester. Let him be the nation's spokesperson. Let him be the the conduit between the White House and the American public. Great, but to have him be commander in chief, no. Anyway, that's okay. me. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, what I hear you saying is there are better people for that uh, for that position. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, if he wanted to run for president, he could make his case about why he'd be a better person for that position. Uh, you know, personally, I'd like to see Bernie become president. But, so would you know, I. But Bernie has worked his whole life in public service. Bernie is working for the betterment of the American people. Here's a great example. Did you hear what happened with Moderna this week? Yes, I love it. This is great. So you want to tell them or should I? Go right ahead. Okay. So Bernie Sanders, you know, is now his new position. He's the chair of the Health, Education, Labor, and Pension Committee in the Senate. Part of that is health. And he's making noise because Moderna said that it was going to raise the the price of the the cost for the for the COVID vaccine something like 400%. Well, let me read to you what happened. 400% price hike. Um, Just hours after Bernie Sanders swore to question Moderna's chief executive in a Senate hearing next month about their plans to quadruple the price of its COVID-19 vaccine, 
the company abruptly reversed course, announcing in a statement that the vaccine would remain free, free to all consumers, regardless of their ability to pay. That's Bernie Sanders. John Stewart may make me laugh. He may make me think, but he is not practiced in the negotiations of the U.S. Senate and Congress and the executive. He doesn't understand how it works. And maybe we do need an outsider, but we saw where an outsider got us for the la- in the last administration, and I don't want that again. Well, I don't, I, I don't know that you really want to compare Jon Stewart to Trump. I mean, I, 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 look, if Jon Stewart doesn't want to run, it's, this is just, this, right. we're just. It's ridiculous. Because, right. But why, I do, mean, we want to, why I mean, do we want to draft an entertainer? Where, where, did, where did Tom come up with this from? Do you, do you know? No. And because they're looking for a populist, somebody that, you know, the masses will want to vote for because they like him. Well, I'm sorry. That's the stupidest criteria for choosing a president ever. It's Trump. Well, I mean, it's not the only criteria. I mean, I could see that you could make a case for John Stewart the way you could make a case for Al Franken. Uh, you know, before he he was elected to the Senate, he had never been in an elected office before either, and he was a comedian. That's true. Um, and he was he was a very good senator. That's true. And a lot of people in the chat room are making just that point. Here, I think, is the difference. Um, Al Al Stewart, Al Franken, for a number of years before he decided to run for Senate, was doing a radio show. He was on Air America, but he was focusing exclusively on politics and issues and governance. That was his that was his uh, his universe that and he stopped. Well, he was still being funny, but but that was his focus on government, on governing, on legislating, on how the the way this the, the direction this country was going in. So he was directly involved. And if John Stewart wanted to move in that direction, that would be one thing. But I've watched his show on Apple TV and he's trying to do the John Oliver thing where he's tackling issues. But he's not interested in governance. And I just think it's a massive waste of time. Anyway, okay. that's, that's my thought. I just... Oh, yeah. let, let me... You talked about the fact that you don't feel that he has been serving the public. And whether you want to accept... Let's just accept that on face value of you saying it and not argue mm, about it. Right. Instead, let's compare him to someone who has dedicated his life ostensibly to to serving and that would be uh, uh pete Buttigieg. who who would you rather see as president uh john stewart in a heartbeat you're right okay. i i get it look uh, you know i'm not saying i'm always right i have opinions john stewart <laughs> john stewart could turn out to be the greatest president ever look at volodymyr Zelensky. again have you ever watched his netflix show i told you about months ago no, I didn't watch it. Servant of the people. He was a comedian. He was an actor who played a teacher who was elected president of Ukraine. In this case, you know, who knew, right? And I have a friend in Ukraine, a woman, Tanya, who's become a friend. And we talked about it. She said, no, he, yeah, he used to be a comedian, but he is he is a great president. And look, the world is looking to this man for leadership. I'm not saying it can't be done, 
I'm just saying we'd be better served by the Democrats focusing on someone realistic. John Stewart doesn't want to be president, and I don't believe he's actually ready or qualified to do the job were he thrust into it today. You know, unless unless Bernie runs or Elizabeth Warren runs, I, I'm very, very nervous that the Democrats are going to come up with, you know, real dreck, you know, which mean, I mean, Biden, obviously, or, or something at least as bad as Biden, like like Pete Buttigieg. But there's a whole bunch of other people who, if Biden doesn't run, will jump in, mm-hmm. and none of whom are any good. I mean, none of them. They're all terrible. I know. And therein lies the problem. Um, and, and, you know, I'm looking at Florida. Florida, you know, Ugh. thankfully, we got rid of the chair of the Florida Democratic Party who who took a failing Democratic Florida Democratic Party and, and flushed it down the toilet. But we don't have anybody... I hate to say it. We don't have anybody great to run. We have a, you know, somebody. Annette, Annette, Annette Tadeo is running. I But look, I, and I like her personally. I really do. But she has run for a number of offices and can't get elected. She doesn't. I oh, think, no, no, no. She did get elected to the state Senate. To the state Senate. She hasn't won a statewide election. She's she's been on the ticket a number of times. I like her. I think she's great, but she's not cutting through. You know, I I don't know that she has the chops. Just like Carolina Ampudia is a friend of mine. She was she was the former chair of the the Progressive Democratic Caucus of Florida. She's one of the few people down here in Broward County who's active, who gets out there, who does the work. I don't think she's a strong enough voice either. We need oh, is she running? She's running. She's oh, running. I didn't and know Nick- that because all I heard about was, uh, what's her name? Nikki, uh, Nikki Freed. Freed she just jumped in. So she just jumped in at the 11th hour a couple of days ago. And she sucks too. So I don't know. I, I, I think the Florida Democratic Party is in such bad shape i i it it it's a loosely aligned coalition at this point and it's going to need somebody really really strong to get it to get it back in shape and i don't think we have anybody on on the bench well you know i i had real high high hopes for annette i thought that you know even though she hasn't been elected uh this this is a different kind of job she's looking for and it's not about going up in front of uh you know, um, you know, Republicans and independent voters right. and getting them to vote for you. This is a whole different kind of thing. And, you know, I don't, I don't know her that well, but, I, you know, I've met her a few times and I've spent some time talking to her, especially early on in her career. And I, I, I think that she could, she could probably do the job pretty well. I mean, I've, I've never felt good about anyone who had that job. Yeah. And I would feel pretty good about Annette having it. Okay. Well, look, I the woman I, that you just talked about, who I didn't know from Broward County, right. she sounds really good too. She's great. She's great. But you know, here's the issue. I think both uh, both Carolina and Annette are too nice. They're nice, polite women who won't. I, I and and I don't want to speak for them. I don't think they can be as tough as I think they need to be in this job. Somebody needs to stand up to the conservative Dem faction. In the Florida Democratic Party, they're both progressive. I don't know if they're strong enough to send the message that needs to be sent. I don't know if they're, st- but I hope they are, and I hope one of them gets it. And I wish them good luck. I'm going to be out of here. 
because this state has gone batshit fucking crazy. Yeah, no one can deny that. So did you hear about DeSantis's latest war on the college board? It wasn't enough that he upended this African-American studies AP course that was a pilot program around the country. And the college board obviously needs to be reformulated or reconstituted or something. But we've got two dysfunctional factions here now going at each other. And now Ron DeSantis says, well, I don't like the college board. Who appointed them anyway? I'm going to appoint my own people and we'll just stop having AP courses in the state of Florida. I mean, his attitude is, if you disagree with me, then you're wrong and your ideas can't be heard and their indoctrination and their propaganda and their whatever. Yeah, it's scary. And I, I suspect there would be a lot of parents of kids who are, who are growing up and go, planning to go to college who aren't going to be very happy about uh, his little um, uh, show there. No. And did you hear about the new college in Sarasota? Oh, horrible. Horrible. And so they, they fired, he fired the, the, the head of the school, I don't know what the title, the chancellor or, or whatever, and put somebody else in, the former president of the, you know, Senate, the Florida Senate, Republican, and they something like tripled his salary and gave him some inordinate, ridiculous, obscene amount of money. And they're, they're totally dissing the, the student body there because it's turned into a school that is a haven for LGBTQ plus kids, for people who march to the beat of their own drummers. And Ron DeSantis is completely against that. And he wants to reframe this school in the model of Hillsdale College, a Christian college. Yep. It, it's- and, and, you know, that's what happens when you give someone power they can do that, and he can do it. He'll he, get away with it now. He can do it. So He'll get away with it. I know it's frightening. So how? And he will crush those kids. I he will. I I don't know if and he, un, until the voters in Florida figure out that they they're going in the wrong direction. This is what this is this is what's happened, and there's nothing that you can really do about it except. You know, unless you want to go door to door and talk to talk to everyone in the state and to, and, and and explain to them what's what's wrong here. You know, I, I, I worked on a post all day today. I don't know that it's going to be up until tomorrow, though, um, about how Republican policies and the whole Republican attitude towards politics are are hurting Republican voters more than anybody else. And, 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 I, and I, I thought about this because I, I, of two reasons. First of all, because of um, the big train fire. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. That count, you, know how, you know how red that county is? Has anyone discussed that at all? I mean, that county was like 75% Trump that, that, and, and has, hasn't voted for a Democrat uh, in, 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 in decades. Yeah. That, okay. So, so here you have a very, very red kind of rural county. And they, you know, they're all for Trump. Trump uh, deregulates the, uh, exactly what went wrong. He deregulated um, this whole braking system on, on trains that yes. were carrying dangerous materials. And boom, this is what happens to, to them. Exactly. To them. Yep. That didn't happen in Manhattan. That didn't happen in, in, uh, in Chicago. That didn't happen in Beverly Hills. 
it happened in, in, a, in a rural Republican area. And, you know, right now what these Republicans are talking about in Congress in a very big way, and they're going to do it, is they're going to, they're going after food stamps. That's, oh. that's you, know, so they, you know, since, you know, Trump and Biden, <laughs> amazingly, made them uh, back away from going after Social Security and Medicare, they're looking for where they can, like, you know, where they can hurt people. And they, and they say, oh, yeah, we'll hurt, we'll hurt people by taking away food stamps. And what they're not thinking about, I mean, they're thinking they're going to hurt a bunch of black people in the inner cities. Right. Okay, they, they are. But you know who else they're going to hurt? Millions of, of families States. in rural America who That's vote right. Republican. That's right. Yeah, I, I get it. And the people, and they're going to still vote Republican because socialism is dangerous. It, 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 yeah. It boggles again. I go back to I love the poorly educated, and that's why a, they do. There is a real uh, thing, though. I mean, when you're feeling hungry and you realize that the reason is because the Republicans took away your food stamps, and you put that together, you could change your vote. Yep. Some will. Some will change their vote. Uh, some will. Uh, some will. Uh, Howie, you have a post up a down with tyranny about how. The, the, the House Republican caucus is in sort of disarray. They're not coalescing behind uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Um, do they have an agenda? And I'm afraid that their agenda, well, and, and maybe I should be happy about it because they're shooting themselves in the foot. Their agenda seems to be doubling down on their, their culture wars, and I'm doing the, the air quotes thing, because they're the ones waging the war. The funniest thing was hearing, who was it? One of them talking about the, the, the left's uh, uh, obsession with sex and, and gender. It's not our obsession. It's their obsession, right? You think? <laughs> yeah. So they're going to they're gonna double down on abortion. Uh, they're doubling down on uh, bigotry and hatred and racism, uh, you know, no African-American studies for you because there's no educational value there. Excuse me. Good. Let them keep doing this and let yeah. them see that the 2022 midterm was not an anomaly. It's it's their they're doing good. Dig a dig and deeper. There are a lot of Republicans who realize that as well, who are very upset about this. I mean, you're right. This is what the, this is the direction a lot of them want to go in because there's nowhere else to go. There, there is nothing for them. Uh, so they're trying this, and it works in, in certain districts. I mean, you look at some of these Republican districts, like the, the county I just described, for example, that went 75% for Trump. They, can, they get away with this stuff. These people are brainwashed either from these, uh, you know, Christian nationalism so-called churches yep. or by watching Fox all day or hate talk radio all day. And, and, they're, they're, and so in those kinds of districts, they can do this and they get away with it and they're heroes. But, you know, you go to any state, even, even conservative states, and you have a problem because it's a whole state. And you've got in and, and whole states, except maybe Wyoming and West Virginia, in whole states you have to convince uh, people who aren't just a bunch of Fox news uh, junkies that, that they should vote for you. Right. And, and you can't do that with this kind of nonsense. So good. And the same thing in, in, in when you go to certain districts, you know, when you go to a district that's like, you know, all Republican and you don't need independents, you don't need Democrats, you just got your voters. Okay, you can get away with that. 
But you go to any district where you have to put together a coalition that includes non-Republicans, and that's most of the country at this point, you're not, you're not going to win. So right. good, let them, let them do this stuff uh, all they want. Let them, uh, you know, it's funny, when you think Trump is smarter than them, it's pretty, it's pretty sad. But he was smart enough and wily enough to realize that if they went after Social Security and Medicare, they were going to be dead. Yeah. They, and they planned to do it. That was their plan. They, I mean, they've always hated Social Security and Medicare because, of course, they are, they are as socialism as you're going to get in this country. And they, they figured, okay, we got the power in the House. Let's do it. And they can't yeah. because Trump freaked out on them. So they've got Trump on one side and Biden on the other side, and they're backing away. I mean, they still may go after Medicaid, although I think they'll fail with that as well. And like I said, now, now their, their new thing is let, let's uh, you know, cut up um, uh, food stamps. Uh-huh. And even that's a problem for them because food stamps is, is what's keeping the agricultural sector alive. So that's a, that's a different kind of problem. And again, it goes back to who, who's in that agricultural sector Republican voters, and if they if they uh, disembowel food stamps in the way that they're planning to, it's going to hurt their own again their own farmers as well as the poor white people who uh, you know who vote Republican. Right, right. So they're, they're you know so they're, they're they've got a little bit of a of a problem that they have to get get past. Right, absolutely. You got to wonder why they're still doubling, tripling down on on you know. Issues that haven't served them well, um, and it just doesn't make sense. Um, but it is a leader. They don't have somebody. They, they don't, don't have, have someone leader. leading them. They're, they're all over the place. That's true, and it is kind of fun. I don't know what you think, but I think it's fun to see Mitch McConnell openly dissing Rick Scott, who has to be the. I, I, how this man keeps getting elected, I don't understand. He was guilty. Of when he he ran a hospital, a Columbia chain. HCA hospital chain. hospital chain, that was guilty of perpetrating the largest Medicare fraud ever in this country. He pled the fifth seventy five times when he got on the stand, and yet Florida still elected him governor two terms, and now have elected him senator twice. And, and, and how much? Uh, what was the uh, fine that, that that hospital had to pay? Do you remember? Oh, huge! Uh, millions and millions of dollars. I don't remember what it was, but a, a huge. It was the biggest fine in the history of Medicare. Yes, yes. And now he says his whole thing, the pamphlet that Joe Biden, I think, masterfully held up and read from, says we should let these programs, these entitlement programs, sunset every five years, and if they're good enough, they'll reauthorize them. Yeah, right. Yep. That should be his middle name, by the way. Rick Sunset Scott. Yeah. Uh, Voldemort. He's still Voldemort. I look at him and that's, I see the character from Harry Potter. Anyway. Yeah. Howie Klein. So, so we are confirmed that um, Lucas Kuntz is going to join us in a few weeks. He just announced his candidacy. He's running for the Senate from Missouri and he will join us, I think, on March 9th. I, th- oh, I, I think he said the seventh, but it might have been the ninth. Uh, seven, but whatever, what, whatever, whatever it is, it, 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 it worked. I looked at the calendar. Yes, the Thursday that week, uh, he will be here, and and good. And you know, we got to start the the ninth. You're right. It is. The, it's the ninth. Is a Thursday. So, um, um, great. And now we need to talk. Uh, I mean, th- we are into 
uh, the 2024 election season because we don't get a break here Versus in this country. 2023 election season. We, I, I'm meeting some like absolutely amazing candidates that, that are blowing my mind who are running for state legislature mm. uh, in, uh, in Virginia. I mean, I, I, at first it, was, it sort of started off slow and it was, it was, I wasn't real inspired by the candidates. And suddenly I'm meeting these men and women who are just like, like shocking. They're so good. I mean, uh, you know, like I, I spoke to this one woman um, who was telling me that, you know, her, she was in a run for Congress. And then she thought, you know what, I better get uh, a few terms in first in the state legislature and do that first. And she's running and she's going to win right. and, and she's going to wind up in Congress. And I, I, I'm so excited. I mean, she's so good. She's just unbelievable. I mean, she just, she's just sort of getting started and she's got a million TikTok followers. Wow. Good. Well, good. Bring her on. Let's meet her. I know Virginia. Her name is Jessica Anderson. Okay. And uh, I'll be happy to ask her to come on next week. She, she's pretty amazing. And, and I met this guy who, you know, got inspired by Bernie, became a Bernie delegate, and is running, is running in a seat that, that was just redrawn. And, and it was a Republican seat. Now it's definitely a Democratic seat. A Republican's not, not going to win this, this seat. And he is, he's, he, his, he's just devoted him. I mean, after being a, a delegate for Bernie uh, to the convention, he's been working in the environmental field. That's his thing. And, and he started his own consulting firm for candidates. He's been helping other candidates to run. And now he's running himself against two, you know, nothing establishment Democrats. This guy's amazing as well. And they're all so great. I mean, there's like one after the other. It's like, it's like breathtaking how good they are. Well, great. How so bring... This is happening in 2023, not 2024. That Even better. Bring them on. Because I think that... You know, sometimes we lose hope, you know, like me with Florida, thinking that we're just the Democratic Party here is doomed. But if we see if we meet people who are as inspiring as you say, we get to know them. We know they're running. Maybe that'll inspire others who are equally as inspirational to run. And, and it snowballs from there. And that's how we win. Great. I'll be happy to. I'll, I'll ask, uh, you know, and there were a couple of uh, candidates that are already declaring for 2024 who were really good, too. Um, so, you know, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask, um, uh, Jessica Anderson uh, for next week is to see if she wants to come and join us. She, she will. Got it. Okay. And Hernan, who asked in the chat room, I have a question, how, serious question. How do you pronounce Kuntz? It's Kuntz. I know it looks different, but it's Kuntz. Lucas yeah. Kuntz. That's all. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, Howie Klein with that, uh, we're, we're, we're over. So thank you as always. And Have a good week. You too. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Oh. Uh, okay. Oh, so much else happened today. By the way, maybe I'll save this for tomorrow. Uh, Bruce Springsteen has announced the second U.S. second leg, second U.S. leg of his tour. He's going to hit 22 other cities beginning in April. No, I'm sorry, beginning in August, going through December. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band will be in Phoenix. Yes, in Phoenix on November 30th. Hear that, David? Phoenix, November 30th. Uh, It's in my calendar already. We will be there. And I understand that places not here, (laughs) South Florida, not New York, not the big, uh, you know, places, but like in Houston, where apparently the show rocked last night, um, you could get a ticket for like eight bucks. Because the scalpers, 
you know, they got greedy and they bought them all up at exorbitant rates because of the stupid dynamic pricing. And now they're stuck with them. Good. So I'm not even going to worry if I don't get in on the first on sale when the tickets go on sale for November 30th in Phoenix. Um, I'll know that I can get a cheap ticket, you know, probably the day of the show. Okay, with that, we're done. I noticed that a number of people tried calling in while Howie was on. I generally don't take calls when I have a guest. But those of you who called today, call back tomorrow. I'm going to leave some time so that we can talk. Okay, so again, those of you who do who called in today and didn't get through, please call tomorrow because I do want to hear your thoughts on everything that's going on. Okay. All right. With that, uh, we're done. I got to go shower because I've got sand all over me. I didn't go in the ocean because the water was really, really cold. But uh, I, need to, I need to go to the beach while I still can uh, because in Arizona, there's no beach. So, and I'm a beach bum. All right. Um, I will leave you with the news and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. It's Thursday, so we're awaiting the partial release sometime today of the Fulton County, Georgia grand jury report that investigated the former guy's interference in the 2020 presidential election. It was a dud! We'll only see the introduction, conclusion, and another section that details the grand jury's belief that some witnesses lied under oath. The majority of the report will remain private, as per District Attorney Fonnie Willis' request, until her probe is complete. Willis has previously stated that indictments are imminent, and she wants to ensure that any future defendants will get a fair hearing. Residents in the Ohio village of East Palestine are now concerned about their health. After a train carrying hazardous materials derailed there three weeks ago, sparking a massive blaze and a plume of what appears to be poisonous gas. The derailment on February 3rd prompted crews to manage detonations to release vinyl chloride. That is a chemical that can kill quickly at high levels and increase cancer risk. Now, evacuation orders were lifted last week, but many residents are staying away or packing what they can quickly and getting out. It's worth noting here that a safety rule was passed under President Obama back in 2015 that made it a requirement for trains carrying hazardous flammable materials to have ECP, electronically controlled pneumatic brakes. But that rule was rescinded in 2017 by the Trump administration. Meanwhile, Norfolk Southern Corp., the railroad company that owns this train, pulled out of a scheduled town hall meeting, citing a, quote, growing physical threat to its employees from, quote, outside parties. What about the physical threat to all the people who live in the area of the derailment? The thing is, the so-called control burn was intentional. A longtime locomotive engineer said cuts and deregulation efforts have created a, quote, perfect storm for accidents. So Judge Susan Egan in Erie County, New York, on Wednesday sentenced the gunman who killed 10 black people at a Buffalo supermarket in May to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The 19-year-old white shooter had posted white supremacist theories and anti-Semitic rants online before going to the Topps-friendly supermarket in a predominantly black neighborhood near Buffalo to target people because of their race. 
The killer, whose name I will not publicize, said he, quote, did a terrible thing that day. I shot and killed people because they were black, and now I can't believe I did it. During an emotional victim impact statement, a man in a sweatshirt tried to lunge at the shooter but was restrained by security. And as if by clockwork, here we go again. One person was killed and three others injured in a shooting Wednesday night inside a mall in El Paso, Texas. That mall sits right next to the Walmart, where a shooting in 2019 left 23 people dead and nearly two dozen more injured. Two men were taken into custody. Police have not commented on possible motives. So far this year, and note we're only 47 days in, there have been more than 70 mass shootings across the country, according to the Gun Violence Archive. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that special counsel Jack Smith, who's investigating the former guy's efforts to overturn his 2020 election loss, has subpoenaed former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. This subpoena reportedly went out in late January before a separate subpoena was issued to the former vice president, Mike Pence. Pence is challenging his subpoena, arguing he's immune under protections, shielding members of Congress from testifying about anything connected to their legislative duties. Oh, that's a stretch. Pence's former chief of staff, Mark Short, and counsel Greg Jacob have already appeared to answer questions. Weather been weird enough for you lately? Well, buckle in. Two new studies published Wednesday in the journal Nature are sounding the alarm, reporting that the so-called Doomsday Glacier in Antarctica is degrading faster than previously expected, worrying experts that it could collapse and dramatically increase sea levels. These studies found that melting under the Thwaites Glacier in West Antarctica is progressing more slowly than previously believed, but that deep cracks and staircase formations in the ice shelf are melting faster than expected. The glacier dumps tons of ice into the ocean every year, causing about 4% of annual sea level rise. As the glacier retreats, more ice is exposed to ocean water, and it melts. If the glacier collapses, it could cause seas to rise more than 2 feet. Ice it holds back could melt once it's gone, dramatically increasing sea level rise. Well, Florida's authoritarian leader has done it again. On Wednesday, Ron DeSantis signed a bill expanding his controversial state program to transport migrants. Remember the little stunt he pulled with Martha's Vineyard? Well, this measure allows the DeSantis administration to pick up where he left off last year when he sent two planes of migrants from San Antonio, Texas, to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. This spurred multiple lawsuits and questions as to whether his administration violated state law. Because the budget law that created the program specified that the money was set aside to relocate, quote, unauthorized aliens from this state. Just unbelievable. And finally, we say goodbye to film icon and sex symbol, yes, Raquel Welch, who died Wednesday at the age of 82. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on one of those donate buttons.